Welcome to Sounds Familiar, a podcast where we discuss two pieces of media that share themes, plot points, or overarching ideas. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with our upload schedule, news, and discussions. Take your seat, grab your popcorn, and silence your cell phones now. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to Sounds Familiar. My name's Caleb, and justice is a non-corrosive metal. My name's Stephanie, and there is no Easter Bunny, there is no Tooth Fairy, and there is no Queen of England. This is... This is... This <laughs> today, is, this today, is... Today, <laughs> tonight, we are recording our flames, flames on the side <laughs> of my face. We are... There, there are no flames, but we are recording no our, <laughs> our first episode in... Um, a, a while, a, while um, a minute, a a hot second. Because I was out of town, and then I was lazy. Yeah, Caleb thought he was too good for small league. I I tried to get out, and Stephanie pulled me <laughs> back pulled in. Right back in. Um, See, we've already had Justin have to take a hiatus because he has a real life, and we he don't. Quote unquote claims he's coming back. Oh, um, yeah, sure. Um, so, Heard that before, am right. I right? Yeah, we'll, see. we'll um, see. Maybe if we get a movie he really wants to talk about. But we already do have some he really wants to talk yes, about. Yes, like a dozen. Yeah. Anyway, I the whole reason this is happening is because I got the urge to watch Megamind because someone did a live tweet, live, live tweeted Lively. them watching yeah. it. And I have since lost the thread. I think it was just deleted because I can't Jeez. find it anywhere. I want to I wanna read that thread. And I know. It was a good one. It pointed out <sighs> things that I had not considered before. Oh, I tell think me you remembered some of them. Mega... No! no. I, I, it was actually like in-depth oh analyzing. God. I was like, Megamind is a movie with a certain amount of depth and nuance to it. And it may not seem like it, you know, what DreamWorks movie does. Or most DreamWorks movies don't, especially after their early ones. Like, yeah, you know, once we hit Madagascar, it was kind of Dream, DreamWorks movies are good at seeming like they're really stupid. Some of them actually are, but some of them aren't. <laughs> so right, um, and so we watched Megamind because that's one of my favorites. And we figured... We were trying to figure out something to pair with it because we were trying to figure out what we were going to do for our next episode. And we were like, ugh. I kept suggesting heavy stuff and Stephanie was like, mm, you know, really I don't want to watch depressing right movies now. about guys and the robots that don't love them. Uh, um, well, that one's coming for sure. Um, that's, that's, it's, it's coming. And so, you know, I proposed Wreck-It Ralph. Because it is also it's thematically it came out, similar. What yes. two years later? And, oh, was it only two years? Yes, and wow. was about a quote-unquote bad guy who wanted to be the good guy. And Megamind is about an actual bad guy who has to learn to be the good guy. See, I have a, I have a complaint in regards to both of these movies' uh, premises that I I'm gonna I'm gonna put You're gonna a reserve pin in that. it. Yeah, I feel like. I can't figure out exactly when is the right time to address it because I don't know if you're going to agree with it or not. Hmm. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Is it, Okay, you know what? We're, we're just, if it comes up. Yeah. Um, when it comes up. Oh, it'll come <clears throat> So, Stephanie. Yes. What is your experience with Megamind 2010? Oh, my God. Um, 
So what's weird is I can't remember if I had seen it before I watched it with you for the first time. I want to say that I had not because I definitely did not see it in theaters. Frankly, when I saw the trailers for it, I thought it looked kind of dumb. Like, um, you know, which probably happened with a lot of people because I imagine by 2010, a lot of people were kind of over the whole DreamWorks thing and they're like, eh, sure. Um, but I think after it had been out for a few years, I think Caleb showed it to me, which <laughs> I've noticed that a common thing with all the movies we've watched <laughs> here is either Caleb showed it to me or I watched it in college due to having seen some kind of advertisement for it when I was a kid and getting interested in it. Um, but but yeah, anyway, so I actually really ended up liking it. Um, I still really like it. Like, it's definitely cringe in the way that a lot of DreamWorks movies are cringe. Yes. But I somehow am not really that bothered by it. I'm just kind of like, eh, okay. Like, you know, in, in, in a way that I'm with other movies would be a deal breaker with this one. I'm just like, Nye. anyway, like it's still really good. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I like it. Um, that's pretty, that's pretty much it. I've seen it a, a few times since then. I saw it in theaters in 3d wow. and it looked fantastic by the way, like that final sequence where, um, Roxanne is like pleading through the camera and it like transitions from the camera shot to like her just being on top of the skyscraper. Oh, I bet that looked cool. Like her hair looked amazing. <laughs> like, her hair looks amazing. When, right now. <laughs> when uh, you know, like he throws the skyscraper and everything. Like, it, it was it was a good one to see in three D. All the brain bots and everything. Yeah. Um, that's true. I feel like you know that kind of movie, like especially the combination of animation and action oriented sequences. Could be really is a cool good candidate 3D. for yeah. a 3D movie. Yeah. Um, and shoot, I was in. I'm gonna assume this was a summer movie, so I had like just finished tenth grade, um, and you know I enjoyed it, and I guess it just kind of stuck with me. And now, even as an adult, like it's one of my favorite animated movies. Um, it. I guess just getting into it. This movie toes a line. It has the potential to be a super cringy, like CG animated family movie of the As early two thousands. Before and after them, yeah. right? Um, and you know, I'm not usually a Will Ferrell guy. Um, right, it's Will Ferrell. And right, it, but somehow. It you know it, even when it veers into cringiness, it's still like it recenters. It's still kind of charming, like it, it you know it feels kind of like of its time and stuff. You're just kind of like yeah yeah sure. I don't know. Um, like I mean, this movie ends with one of my famous dislikes in movies, which is a, a dance party at yes, the end of the movie. That is one of its sins, which I famously hate. <laughs> but it's also it's also kind of like it seems like the kind of movie that would have it. Whatever, yes. like yeah, um, it's fine. One of its other main sins being, and this is a problem. All with the dad all, music. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> okay. All. All DreamWorks movies have this problem, and that is the needle drops. Oh, yeah. Um, that yes, needle to be dropping. It is entirely dad music in the soundtrack. Um, yeah. Dad rock. And, but see, the, the thing is, it's not, sometimes you're like, did we really need 30 seconds of crazy train in this sequence? 
No, that was a little gratuitous. The money they forked over for that, that, just for that. That was gratuitous. We didn't need Crazy Train right there, okay? But then you get sequences like the very end when he goes to face Titan and he tells him the difference between the two of them, his presentation, and like a welcome to the jungle kicks in as the laser light show goes off. Like, that's a good use of your needle drop. And see, that's the thing. I think if the movie had had fewer needle drops, it would have been more effective, which is probably mm. more or less what you're saying. Because imagine not many needle drops, and then that one just kicks in, and mm. you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> and that would make it feel like it was more part of the presentation than just another song on the soundtrack. Like It would yes. seem like he specifically chose that song on some level. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of movies do that. Frankly, I... I need to I need to watch more movies. Oh, because I know that like apparently Scorsese is really famous for needle drops, and I've seen like two Scorsese movies in my life, so I, I I'm not. I apologize. I'm not like super sure about that, but I I have not been impressed with a lot of movies needle drops, at least not when they were more famous songs. Like I've definitely encountered many songs that I was like, oh shit, that's a really great song. And then went to look it up because of a movie, like, right. but not vice versa. Like, if a song is really famous and it's in a movie, it best be really, really special for that scene. Like, really fitting. Otherwise, I'm going to be kind of like, yeah. Right. It's like, you know, okay, Shrek has a ton of needle drops in it, right? And they're all bangers. I was going to say, not all. <laughs> they're not all, like, songs people would know. Like, right, there's several not. Eels songs on the, on that soundtrack because yeah. the, the guys who made the movie were huge Eels fans. I, mean, I, yeah. I don't know what the fuck eel, the eels are outside of Shrek and Holes. That's funny. I actually right? like, have an eels song on my favorite songs playlist, but I didn't know they had had songs in Shrek. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure they have several. Or okay. there, or there's one in Shrek one and like one in Shrek two. Um, okay. And th- that's that's like part of the difference, right? Is that like yeah. there's there is a there is a gratuitous amount of needle drops in Shrek, but it's not like Re- they're not. They're more of Oh, I put this. Um, let's talk Guardians of the Galaxy versus Suicide Squad for a moment. Even Guardians that's... of the Galaxy pushes it for it's... me. No, frankly. it does. <laughs> I agree with you. I okay, let me let's let's yes, go, 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 just ahead, go, go into this for a second. Yeah, Everyone yeah. knows Guardians of the Galaxy is famous for its use of needle drops. As like one, it's an established part of character. It's that's fair. Peter yes. Quill has a limited amount of musical knowledge. He is only aware of music from the time period before he was abducted. Um, and he, you know, has a limited amount of music that he has with him um, from Earth. Um, so, you know, it's it's assumed to be like anytime you hear a needle drop of an Earth song in universe, it's from, you know, something from his personal collection. Yes, that does make I sense. do agree that they... <sighs> It, it's like 9 out of 10. They don't quite stick the landing. And my main complaint is at the very end, in the very last scene of the movie, there's two needle drops in the same scene. Like, they play part of one song and then cut it off and then, like, go into I Want You Back by Jackson 5. I'm like, just yeah. pick one. Like, you don't need to play 30 I seconds of one that, song yeah. and then go immediately into the next one with, like, 10 seconds of silence in between. What the, what kind of editing decision is that? Anyway, mm. Guardians of the Galaxy, famous for its generally acclaimed use of the needle drop and then suicide squad saw that or warner brothers saw that they was wanted like, what guardians of the galaxy had but they didn't so understand it okay guardian or suicide squad is to guardians of the galaxy what joker is to martin scorsese movies okay Oof. it saw what those other critically acclaimed movies did 
and then like attempted to copy it but without understanding the the purpose behind everything okay like you know what i'm saying yeah like I, for sure. not everyone's gonna agree with me that because a lot of people like joker i think joker saw some like critically acclaimed movies and then attempted to copy it but without understanding yes or having yes. purpose for everything it was like this movie did that so i'm gonna do it that's why we have like seven needle drops in three minutes in suicide squad and you're like oh wow it's um house of the rising sun we're in new orleans oh it's uh, sympathy for the devil and the guy's name is diablo wow anyway yes. now that my that rant is over <laughs> yeah. what was the original point we were talking what about was um the needle drops in mega in mega mind are generally good but there are too many of them, of them yes. right but it's a dreamworks movie so yes well yeah i think that a a, a licensed song in a movie can be extremely effective but I find it's often actually more of effective if it's not a song I already know or not a song that a lot of people know because it allows you to kind of subsume it into your subconscious. Did that make any sense? As like part of the score almost. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, you're not taken out by awareness of a particular reference. It, it becomes more synonymous with the scene and feels appropriate, I guess, is more frequently. Like I've almost never been bothered by a needle drop if I didn't know the song, if yeah. that makes sense. I almost feel like it's this paradox where they're picking the song because people know it, but the fact that I know it is taking me out of the scene, if that makes sense. Yes, so. that does make sense to me. Wow. Okay, so anyway, now that we've talked about that, oh my God, I, I what feel was I like, going to say? I feel like I could talk about this better if I had actually watched that Patrick Owens video on needle drops, but you I still haven't. haven't. I know. I still we haven't watched watch it. To be I'm fair, sorry. Like, he does talk about Scorsese movies a lot, which... I haven't seen many of, and I don't think you've seen any of. Wait, you've seen The Color of Money. Never mind. I have seen The Color of Money. Um, but anyways, <laughs> apart from that, uh, oh god, okay, so so Megamind. So yeah, our basic um, idea for doing this episode was, the, you know, the premise of the bad guy, quote unquote, um, who you know is discontented with his role and or wants to have another role well, sorry no that it's, see, even that doesn't apply to megamind who evolves into another role right well i megamind likes being they the villain. both start off as villains yes one has to learn to become a hero the other wants to be the hero right and i would argue that's they're thematically similar enough yes they're they're similar that we're tying them together so i guess i might as well go ahead and get into the thing do that it, does do kind it, of bother me about these movies it. So this is, and you have to understand when I say this, I recognize that these are kids' movies. Like, these are kids' movies. Not like kids' movies in the way that Marvel movies are kids' movies. Like, these are movies that were obviously made with kids in mind. They can be enjoyed by adults, but, you know, let's, let's be real here. Um, but the thing is that the premise of these movies being that someone on one end of the moral spectrum becomes or wants to become someone on the other end is to me significantly undercut by the fact that neither of these characters are bad in almost any stretch of the imagination like wreck it ralph is as a, i will get into later almost literally not bad at all to the point where to me it undercuts what the movie is trying to do a little bit 
And Megamind is bad only in the most surface level. Like, he's so bad at being bad that it's a joke, like, in the movie. Like, right. he, he cannot be bad to save his life, just about. Um, at least not in any way that isn't entirely focused on aesthetics. Um, and which is kind of the same with Wreck-It Ralph. And to me, it's like... I don't know. I get kind of the difficulty here because on the one hand, if in a kid's movie you show a character doing actual bad shit and like actually doing things that could materially harm someone, even if they don't do anything too bad, it's very different than a character who's just like, I'm the villain, but they literally never actually hurt anyone, you know? Right. You if know if you're going to give a child or children the a, a villain to hero story, then studios are going to be hesitant to give them someone very bad to no, begin and, with. And I agree with that. My problem is where uh, societal perception comes in. Um, and this is where it definitely gets dicey because obviously we know that the way society perceives you is not always affected directly by your actions. Like, we know that. Unfortunately, we have a lot of human history to show us that. That sometimes people will, per will perceive you negatively even if you haven't done anything wrong. Even just by, like, how you look. But, hmm. but <laughs> I think Stephanie's tapping into some of that. Yes, they're 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 queer metaphor. Whatever. No, 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 no. <laughs> so no. I, I was saying it. That, that you're 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 helping me remember some of that thread. Mm. You know, part of the. Okay. Did you have more? Well, yes. I mean, I could talk about this at great length, but it kind of reminds me of. Now this is this is a throwback. We, we talked about this episode like a full ass year ago, but it reminds me of what I was thinking about when we were talking about Aladdin is that so much of the power dynamics and so much of the conflict in these movies is driven almost entirely by aesthetics and nothing else. Like, almost no material power in the case of Aladdin or material harm in the case of these movies is ever actually happening or being exercised. Like, it's almost entirely just, what are you wearing? What do you look like? You know, what is your nominal role? Which, even that, I suppose there's something to be said for that. Like, you know, that is something that we focus on a lot in our society. But the way they're framed as, like, the villain becoming the good guy, it feels like there could be more substance to that. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. I don't know. So that's why I kind of have two minds about it. So I think that's a perfect transition into oh. talking about the opening of the movie. Okay. Yeah, By the opening, enough. I mean, like, all of the sequences before, quote-unquote, modern day. Yes. Okay. The, 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 the backstory. Yes, the backstory. So the hero and the villain both have the Superman origin story and that both of their planets were, you know, going to be destroyed and they both got sent to Earth. At the exact same time. At the exact same time. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, um, <laughs> one of them lands in a rich house, like a mansion, and the other one lands in a prison. Wow. Um, I guess there's a little social commentary for you right <laughs> off the bat. And they leave this child in the prison for some reason <laughs> it's so um, fucking dark they're, they're just like well he's blue so like, no uh, well, what happens to him don't know how he got uh, here he they probably took belongs the school here. to prison pipeline um, and cut out the school part well in this in this case it's a prison to school pipeline because he goes to the same <laughs> school as, uh, as metro man um jesus christ now how did that so, end up happening so metro man is raised in this rich well-to-do family mm. and megamind not born evil becomes quote-unquote evil because of how he is treated because all he does as a child you know is he wants to be accepted by his peers in the way that metro man is 
but he's bad at it because he's awkward and so therefore is entirely shunned and becomes the opposition to metro man you know he it's it's shown from the very beginning that he himself is not inherently evil right even he was raised in the prison by these dudes who were literally like showing him flashcards like cops bad robber good um i mean which (laughs) (laughs) i can't believe megamind grew up to be woke and and all he wants is you know to try and make popcorn for his friends the way metro man does but he's bad at it and so everyone hates him for it um and then you know he grows to hate metro man because he has everything that he just wants to be a part of um and yeah it's i'm not gonna dive too deep here i'm just kind of throwing out there what the movie's trying to hit on right well it's very much like and i mean that's fair it's I think the movie is indicating, like, okay, yeah, he was never actually bad or had any ill intentions. He just kind of, he saw something that was, became his role with a capital R, which I think is something that is present in both of these movies. Like, your role is presented to you, and you basically have no choice but to take it, because that's the only way you can really exist, like, within the society. Like, I definitely get that. So it's, you know, it's not that he was ever really a villain, it's just that he felt like he was the villain TM. Which, you know, there's definitely something to be said for that. I mean, you know. Yeah, it's, you know, accepting the role you were given. Why are you sorry? I'm apologizing for singing Hamilton in the year of our Lord 2020. Don't apologize for that. Hamilton should not have won the Emmy. It's not a variety show. Inside should have won, but I'm just saying that because I'm a 20-something white guy, I guess. (laughs) Anyway, Hamilton needs to stay in 2016 and in their lane, okay? Stay in 2016 where you belong. Um, <laughs> and of course, also it seems like like Metro Man was also basically handed a role and was like, okay, you know? Right. <laughs> Which there comes was, up later. Yes. Um, the, the first tweet I saw from the, the, the thread was the screen cap when um, it's, 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 it's Metro Man Day and he's making a speech and he says... Who would I be without you people to protect? And Aww. it like pauses on his face. Is like, and this is the moment where you can see the <laughs> the, the crisis. Hey, it's me, Metro Man. Sorry, it's Music Man now. Yeah. I bet you're wondering how I got in this situation. Right, right. It's like that's the moment where you can see him quite like the the, the illusion snaps and he starts to question everything. Who would I be? Um, who would I be if I didn't yeah. have to protect you, weak, <laughs> selfish a holes? Right. And that's, see, that's one thing that I do love so much about this movie is that, like, our our core three antagonists who kind of cycle around in a, in a circle uh, are all people who are given a role but end up turning into something else, you know. Um, and that's, like, Megamind going from the villain to the hero. Metro Man going from the hero to just a regular guy who's trying to pursue his music career. And then Titan, who Megamind tries to turn into a hero, but uh, ends up becoming the villain. So, who, who, right, he it's, starts out as a regular guy. Uh, Megamind tries well, to get him to be a hero, but he ends up being the villain. Let's talk about Titan. Um, also I, known as Jonah Hill. I was think- in his peak Jonah Hillius. Yes. I was thinking about this today. Um, I was like, what does it... This was probably before we even had these words, or if they existed, they weren't in the lexicon. Um, 
This is a movie about chads and incels. <laughs> Behold, the chad who is really an incel. This, the incel who is really a chad. And the, no, hold, and, and the, incel. the incel who is really an incel. Okay, so, <laughs> really so Megamind is a chad who thinks he's an incel. <laughs> and Jonah and, and, and uh, Titan, uh, what's his, Hal, really is just an incel. Um, <laughs> the, he he becomes a Chad momentarily, but not really. <laughs> right, he becomes a Chad, but doesn't realize it, and so he he stays an incel. Um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Where does that put Metro Man? Um, Obviously, starts as a Chad, but he doesn't seem like an incel later. He seems more like a Volcel, if anything. <laughs> sure. Chad turned Volcel. Sure. <laughs> so yeah. Um. It was this. This is a story oh about finding the Chad that was inside you all along. <laughs> Chad um, within. Um. So yeah, Hal is kind of an icky character, but that's okay because he's really the villain. I no no no. I think it's great. I think it works really well. I feel weird about Hal as a character because it. I think it sits in a weird point in time culturally where, you know, we as a culture understood that Revenge of the Nerds is bad and, um, <laughs> um, fuck, how do I phrase this? The, the nerd who wants to get the girl isn't necessarily the hero, right? Because, like, he's kind of a creepy douche about it and doesn't need to get what he wants and like it's not right inherently for him to get what he wants but it was also it it feels a little bit like haha let's laugh at the nerd who just wants to date the pretty girl that he's known for a long time and that's that's what i mean see that's yeah that's also true like i i think maybe it would have made well i don't know but these things are mutually exclusive like to me, it would hit a little harder if he was, like, maybe in a superior position to her and was, like, being creepy, you know? And, like, well, obviously Hal is still being creepy, but if he was, like, using his power as a way to be, like, you know, trying to hit on her the way men have famously done for a very long time. But then also that wouldn't work as well because you need him to be kind of like an underdog type character. Right, because you, you, you need to show yeah. the power corrupting. Yeah. Or the, the corrupting influence of power. Right. I think I think what would work better for me, maybe just theorizing here, is if he was not really a nerd type, but was just kind of like, seems like a really nice, like, upstanding, mild-mannered kind of guy. The, the kind of guy that often becomes a superhero, you know, in, in, like, classic comics and everything. And then Megamind was like, oh, it's perfect. It's worked so many times before. I'll just turn this guy into a hero. So someone who really seems like a good guy... Whereas Hal, you know, is just some fucking guy. He has absolutely no moral compass. He's only out for himself. And that's clear from the very beginning. Yeah. Like, if it was some guy who who has all the aesthetics of, like, a, a, a good Clark Kent kind of guy, but then turns out to be not very good at all, you know? And it turns out, like, oh, all of that was just being an upper-class white man, you know? <laughs> like, right. maybe that would work a little better. I, I don't know. And, you know, the, the, the story says that it was an accident. He was going to pick, Megamind was going to pick someone good to be the new Metro Man. That is um, true, yes. And Hal got accidentally shot. They were just like, well, we'll work with what we have. And then, <laughs> um, what's the reporter's name? 
Roxanne. Roxanne is like, you chose Hal? He is literally <laughs> the worst person you could have chosen. So clearly she knows. She already like, But no has one's been out here up. listening to women, that's for sure. So Again, it was an accident. <laughs> um Yes, that's totally fair. So I'm just I feel weird about the character yes. of Hal and the movie's treatment of the yes. character. I have no notes on how to do it differently. all i know is that i think it sits in a weird middle ground yeah that's the thing like i've i've never like i know there's definitely a cultural conversation to be had about you know toxic nerddom or whatever or how like nerd dudes can be super misogynistic and everything but in my experience like as far as like actually getting like sexually harassed and like getting unwanted attention and stuff it really hasn't been from dudes on that end of the social ladder so much as it's been from dudes who think that, like, you know, they absolutely cannot be pegged for anything, you know, who think that they can get away with anything at all. And he doesn't really seem like he's on that end of the social scale. Like, I don't know. To In my experience, it's a lot more, the, like, the frat boy types and the, like, rich and powerful types. Right, well, at, going back to it, this is a movie about an incel given the powers of a chat. <laughs> And then using those powers for evil. <laughs> no, you can never use your Chad powers for evil. That's an incel move. <laughs> because as I said, the incel who <laughs> Okay. Um, we can move on from talking about the character of Hal. Um, I think I've said all I have to say about that character. I've complained about the mic drops. Um, <laughs> we, we have I, complained a lot about a movie that we really like. Yes. I think this movie um, is very well written in two aspects. Uh, one, as I said previously, I, this movie could be cringier, but like, like it dips its toe in and finds its way back. That is to say that I really enjoy the script. Um I, you know, like the sequences when Megamind is going on dates with Roxanne, which is, we could have a whole conversation about that, but we don't need to. We don't, we've, we've, I've already rambled enough about Hal. I don't need to go on about Megamind lying about who he is to get dates with Roxanne. Um, but, you know, uh, that also has something to say. The classic romantic comedy, you lied about X aspect of your identity trope. Right. You know, it serves a purpose to also to... For the, the person in disguise to learn more about themselves, but yes. also for the other person to realize there's more to the person or underneath the person's like right. Blue it's a exterior. way of getting them to talk um, to each other and hang out when it would never be possible if the if one of the characters wasn't pretending. Right. Um. He's disguised as what's the librarian's name? Some nerd. I don't remember. Um. A cameo from Ben Stiller for really? like the four lines oh, that he has funny i didn't know that um, i do like the sequence when megamind is like trying to run away from like not be seen by roxanne and he runs into him and he's like megamind's head what a horrible costume megamind's head isn't that freakishly large um what was i saying okay i enjoy the writing um i think the script is fairly witty but also uh the finale is well executed and there is there are things that are you know set up previously molten like many things which you know that always impresses me like if it's just one callback that's you know whatever but the a whole sequence of events um 
you know, like when he first starts trying to clean up the city, he dehydrates all the trash and turns into little cubes. And then, like several scenes later, when he's sad and it's raining, or when it Roxanne leaves, and like the trash comes back because it's getting rehydrated. Um, the very end fight, or so he parked his car, the invisible car, somewhere and lost it that night of like that he and Roxanne went on a date. And then at the very end, um. I love the whole f- the final fight sequence. Yeah, it's from, good. From the um, there's so many twists and turns. In right, it. like That's, it keeps things really interesting. There are more twists than most. Most Marvel movies don't have have are, more than a single twisty. twist in a final you know third yeah. act. Um, so we like it starts with the presentation laser light show. Welcome to the jungle sequence. Um, and then, you know, he disguises himself as Metro Man and all to scare Titan and almost gets away with it. Um, and then they fi- he finds the invisible car, which was lost like an entire act ago. Um, because it was invisible. Right. And then he gets to, he dehydrates himself in midair to fall into a fountain. It's just this sequence of events that was set <laughs> up. Right, and lots of uh, very Shakespearean one character play acting and other types of things. Like, where Minion is him and he's Metro Man. And, like, (laughs) it's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, no, I love it. Um, And, yeah, like, no, that's really great. And it's especially fascinating on that kind of meta level. Or it's like, he becomes Metro Man, but he's really himself on the inside because... He's taking on the hero role. Right. He he was try he tried too hard to take on the hero role. So he tried to become Metro Man, and that was his whole plan was to become Metro Man to scare away Titan. But then to beat the villain, he actually had to rely on himself and on his own strengths, mm-hmm. being you know his own inventions um, and creative thinking. And that's you know. I just think that's good writing. Right, and it's Metro Man, you could tell, was not the kind of superhero to smart his way out of any situation, whereas Megamind is. I mean, that's the whole part of his his name. He's like a super genius or whatever. Um, And so, like, the fact that he uses the Metro Man persona as a form of disguise and trickery and subterfuge, like, to win is, like, you know, kind of a melding of those two personalities, like a marriage of the two parts of himself. (laughs) It's all very deep. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I love the sequence at the end when after he saved the day and, like, all the citizens come to cheer him on and they all rush him and he pulls his gun (laughs) and is like, stay back, you animals! (laughs) (laughs) He really thought he was about to get killed by an angry mom. Dude, that's dude, and that's why we need more stories about redeemed villains because we need to see all the awkwardness of them trying to interact with regular society and yes. just being like terrified but also desperate for validation. Like, I, we need those. We need to take a right turn. I'm about to go on a rant. <laughs> no, and we don't. No, it's a no. rant that I'm sure I've gone on before, so we don't need to. It's always at the back of our minds. It's fingernails on the surface <laughs> of my mind. Um. For sure. Okay. Mm. Any more thoughts on Mega Mind 2010? Um, I just really love how it's. I mean, well, okay. I don't know if love's the right word. I I find it fascinating how it's kind of a pre MCU send up of the superhero genre, which you it, it, it's there not... have been plenty of superhero movies to this point. 
Right. And two MCU movies, but like they hadn't been established. Right. It feels very pre MCU because it feels very much like it's riffing on very much like older superhero tropes and aesthetics. Like the like old, especially Superman mythos, a little bit of Batman maybe, like that kind of thing. Um, it, it feels like a very separate kind of. It, it feels sort of like The Incredibles a little bit. Like, not the exact same kind of universe, but that very, like, retro-futurist kind of universe. Yeah. Um, it, and it, I, I don't know. Especially the the whole, like, sort of a city-state thing that's very present in, like, Superman and Batman, where it's like, there is an outside world apart from this little microcosm that the superhero is, like, keeping watch over, but... But is there, you know, like... Right, like, oh, this one person, like, overthrew this city's government and took it over. Is the military... Right, are you going to send in the military to, like, nuke them or something? Like No. But see, I kind of like that because it keeps things on a small enough scale that you can kind of tell that kind of little encapsulated story without the stakes feeling too big. You, you have to, because otherwise... Anytime something like that happens in a comic book or a comic book movie, you're going to be like, why isn't the government stepping in? Like, just... Yeah. We don't... Can we not think about the U.S. military for two fucking seconds? (laughs) Right? Like, Like, even the the Dark Knight Rises tried to address it. They were like, oh, there's... Here's a reason why, like, the outside world can't intervene. Here's why. Yeah. I mean, hey, I think they did as well as they could have with the whole hand-wavy thing. But because that's the thing in a superhero movie, we we don't want the outside world to intervene. Like, and it's the same thing with horror movies and cell phones not working and cars not starting. We don't want the outside world to intervene. We want to see what happens when it's man against nature, when it's man against man, when it's like these most primal interactions that we have between ourselves, like without the interference of like. You know, the long arm of the U.S. military or the police or something like that. We we want to see what happens when we are pitted against each other as animals. <laughs> Which is my thoughts on DreamWorks' Megamind. <laughs> a movie which, as previously stated, ends with a dance party. Stop. Please don't remind me of that. I was feeling so To Michael good. Jackson's bad. <laughs> Anyways, that yes, that it it is kind of funny. If police exist in this universe, they ain't shit. Like for I mean, the dude he he literally marches up to city hall after uh, Metro Man <laughs> quote unquote dies, and they like all have their guns drawn and do nothing. It's like you know, a single bullet would be could take out this man, frankly. Like, but it's a kids movie. It's a kids movie. You can't have that. And that's the whole reason why the one person who dies in the entire movie, Metro Man, doesn't actually die. He just reinvents himself as a rock star. Or he, sorry, he as dies a wannabe spiritually. Rock star. Yes, exactly. He dies to the self and a new self. Metro is Man died so. Mega Man could, or Me- Music Man Music could Music Man could be born. Now, granted, you have talent. <laughs> Interaction and the whole thing where it like he plays the song and almost simultaneously Roxanne is like it's terrible and Megaman is like granted you have talent but like, <laughs> Megamind is is a hype man for Metro Man <laughs> right okay? like, he loves Metro Man like he hates him but like he he needs him too I love that they have the like a slightly more wholesome version of like a Batman Joker dynamic yes. and that like 
the, well, do. at least Mega Mind feels like he needs Metro Man. Right. Um, even like Metro Man, the and during their last fight when he's describing, it, he even calls it like go, going through the motions. Yeah. Um, my head wasn't in it that day. <laughs> like they both know it's just a dance that they play. Exactly. Um, except exactly. like, you know, you can tell Mega Mind really loves it, and that's that's you know how the entire second half of the movie plays out is because he needs someone to play Dude, off. Dude, that's because villains get to have more fun for real, and especially in like old timey like superhero comics, like the villains got to be like fashionable. They got to be kind of questionably queer. They got to be like loud and musical. They got to be tragic and everything. Meanwhile, the hero's just over here being like, "I'm a cop." With a cape. I am a straight white male. Exactly. In my mid 30s to 40s. I have a good job with a pension and 2.5 kids and a white picket fence. Yeah, exactly. Like, all right, well, how am I supposed to get excited about that? I'm not. And the movie does kind of play with that a little bit. To be fair, it plays with the concept of villainy as purely aesthetic, like, as opposed to, you know, the. Sorry, you look like no, 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 keep going. I like the concept of villainy as purely aesthetic. Villainy is pure aesthetic. I mean, it's which like they a, play into. That's they basically like, the, we there's about, the whole yeah. Black Mamba sequence. Oh, yeah. Where, like, like Minion, he puts on eyeliner. His minion creates yeah. a whole new, like, ensemble for him. Exactly. I mean, good for me. It's on a whole show. I need a friend who just goes around and makes me outfits. Like, that'd be <laughs> fucking great. <laughs> Right, but and that's but I mean, but that kind of plays into the criticism that I had before is that villainy here is basically nothing but aesthetic. It, it's not a real thing. It, it it has nothing to do with actually being a villain. <laughs> I don't know, I, but but even that maybe is purposeful. I I really don't know. I'll, I'll talk about this more when we yes, get into Wreck-It Ralph. Yes, I think Wreck-It we'll Ralph. touch <laughs> on that more when we get to Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. Uh, for now. I think all I have left to say is watch Megamind 2010 if you haven't seen it. I highly recommend it. The best rom-com of 2010. Uh, citation needed. We have not <laughs> researched what rom-coms came out in 2010. I don't know. But it's a good rom-com. We'll see you in the second half. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks for checking out our show. Give us a follow on Twitter at SoundsFilmiliar and let us know any film pairings you would like us to cover. Did you also know that we have a sister show that covers cryptids, UFOs, and anything else strange and spooky? If that sounds like your thing, be sure to listen to I Hope You Exist on your favorite podcast service. We love you. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Sounds Familiar. You're joining us at the top of the second half. With me, I've got Stephanie... All right, so we've got a really interesting lineup today, Caleb. Um, <laughs> Good evening, sports fans. <laughs> got some really good sports on the docket today. Uh, look at, really looking forward to seeing how this uh, how this game turns out. Yeah, I think the Red Sox are going to do great tonight. And it's a great way to stay in shape. <laughs> Kill <Okay>. every time. <laughs> Without fail. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about Wreck-It Ralph now. <laughs> yes. Um, a movie that, in my opinion, is not as good as Megamind. Um. No, no not as good as Megamind. Uh, it was okay. Yeah. I did not have a great time watching this movie. I did not have a terrible time. Yeah, it's decent. It, it actively had several things working against it that bugged me. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get into um, it's that. It's probably different things than bugged you. 
Um, <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into so that too. I guess I'll just say I don't think I saw this movie in theaters. I don't remember when I saw it, but I think it was within like a year of it coming out. That I have, I was in college when this movie came out. I have no concept of when I saw it for the first time, other than approximately the time I started college. I have no strong feelings about this movie, one way or the other, or at least I didn't. This was actually my my first time seeing the movie. What? I, like I had, yeah, like I I actually saw Wreck It Ralph too. <laughs> Ralph uh, breaks the internet. Right, you watched that with me in right, 2019. Right, I actually saw that before I saw this. Yeah, because I, I saw that a couple years ago. I didn't know this was your first time seeing it. No, yeah, I, I, that's where I said that. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. It doesn't matter. matter. Um, yeah, this actually was my first time seeing it. For some reason, I had never seen it before. Like, I I'm not someone who grew up with video games in any capacity or arcade games. So it didn't really hit that nostalgia spot for me that it did for a lot of people. So I was just kind of like, huh, a movie about little video game characters. That's nice. And never felt like any real desire to see it because it wasn't something that I was ever attached to. However, I will say, I mean, right off the bat as far as like, because we are going to have some like negative things to say probably. One of the positive things I will say is that it never seemed uh, annoying with the video game references the way like many things have been. Like it, it, it seemed very like, I don't know if subtle is the right word, but it it felt like the little world that it had built was like, oh, you know, there's some video game characters that you will recognize, but it's not really about them. It's they're just kind of right. background it's stuff. It's like... Hey, there's Bison. Oh, look, there's uh, one of the ghosts from Pac-Man, Clyde, leading the therapy session. Hey, it's Zangief. Oh, there's Sonic. And then, like, we move on with the story. Right, and and it never feels like, ooh, you see the video game character? It's just kind of like it, g- gently setting up the world. Right, like, it never feels like, does anybody else like right, Sonic? Right, right, right. <laughs> it could have been so much worse in that regard. Yes. Like, it... To the point, like, it was settled to the point where at times I was a little confused. I was like, I don't know how many of these are supposed to be real video games and how many aren't. Like, which of these were actually video games? Like, as someone who doesn't know, like, the like even the Fix-It Felix game, like, I, is that a real game? It, For all I know, it could be. Or it could not be. I really don't know. Caleb, is it real? <laughs> I, I don't know. He seems like a Bob the Builder type uh, character, but that was a TV show, not a not a video game, so I really don't know. Um, but yeah, so right off the bat, not a um, not a a subject I'm super familiar with, so I was not coming to it with that knowledge at all. Like I have played racing games before, but not many, and I was never good at them, nor did I enjoy them. And I certainly haven't played the type of game that um, that Ralph is engaged in, which is like, a, I guess you like race around a little building and like big stuff, which sounds kind of fun, I suppose. But once again, I didn't spend a lot of time in arcades as a kid, unfortunately, I guess. Like I, I didn't have like a fun kid life or, or whatever. It's fine. Like I it just wasn't part of my childhood. So I, I don't really know much about this stuff, but what i just one enough about my tragic backstory yeah one you're cute when you talk about old video game things that you don't really understand (laughs) understand. um two uh i 
was going to the mall and playing <laughs> yeah, Galaga yeah. and Smoking Token and whatever that game was where you steer a pirate ship through sea monsters. I don't remember oh. what it's called. And you were getting paid 20 bucks to read the Bible cover to cover. <laughs> we're not the same. <laughs> you were blowing 20 bucks playing arcade games. I was blowing 20 bucks on I don't remember what after reading the Bible. Right, like what what you you earned twenty bucks for reading the Bible cover to cover. What did you buy? The Lord of the Rings soundtrack? <laughs> That's funny, but probably. <laughs> uh, or did you already own those? Oh my god. No, no, no. I read the Bible before I bought the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. So oh, which is so the timeline works out. To say out loud. Oh my god. No, I'm pretty sure I brought I So uh, you're saying there's a chance. What <laughs> No, I bought the Lord of the Rings soundtracks with my allowance money, I'm pretty sure, which was a separate thing. I started getting allowance money after I read the Bible for $20. And you gotta understand, $20 to a kid that's like 9 or 10 years old, that's intense stuff. Like, well, I'm sorry, a kid who didn't grow up rich who's 9 or 10 years old. 20 bucks will buy you a fair few Yu-Gi-Oh! booster packs, you know? Yeah, those things I frequently played with as a kid all the time. (laughs) At the arcade that I definitely went to. Um, anyway, so, so, so already I I wasn't super familiar with kind of the source material for this type of movie. However, the, you know, the, the, the basic premise for it being, you know, similar to what we talk about with Megamind is something that I'm very attracted to as a type of story. It's, it's very fascinating to me, like the, the conflict between being placed into a particular social role and wanting to break out of it, wanting to be something else, or, or in some cases, being forced to break out of it and be something else. You know, that that's always very interesting to me. And, and I like that aspect of it. The thing that... God, I'm going to sound cinema sinzy over here. I hate that. I'm sorry. The thing is, okay, about this, this world is that they are... Let's see if I can articulate this right. They are placed in these roles arbitrarily. Like, it's not clear who's placing them there or why, but they are placed in these roles, and these roles of good or bad, insider or outsider, but there is no moral weight to being a bad guy in this universe. Nope. That's nope. the thing. Like, it's, it's your job, and guess what? Okay, let's... Let's just dive into it. Let's just get into the... Okay, so the internal logic of this universe holds up to very little scrutiny. Like, there were, like, a half dozen points during this movie where I was like, I the fuck... I, the, what? Like, if you think about it for more than a second, you, 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 you don't understand. You can't resolve, resolve the loop. Okay, so Ralph is a quote-unquote bad guy. His job is to wreck up the building in the video game so that the kid playing the game can control Felix to fix the building. So, but he is ostracized by the people in his game. They don't like him. They don't invite him to their parties. They don't give him any cake. And I, they hate him. And so he wants to leave and become a hero like Felix. But if he leaves, their game ceases to function and then they all die. Okay. Yeah. They literally. No, that's one thing the movie die. is not vague they, about. <laughs> they cease to exist. Okay. Yeah. And so they need Ralph. Ralph is nice. He seems like a very nice, polite guy, if a little clumsy. So the degree of hatred and vitriol that these people have towards him 
does not compute because it is his job to do this thing. If he does not do this job, which, you know, always gets resolved at the end of the day. The, 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 right, the Felix, there's literally never any real negative effect for that. There's no consequence because Felix has a magic hammer that always fixes everything back to the status quo at the end of their five-minute gaming session, you know? So the degree to which he is hated by the people and, like, is viewed as the villain does not match the internal, like, logic of the world. Right, and that's the thing, like, I I get that it could be trying to say something like, oh, you know, sometimes people will just hate you for, like, the role that you're put in in society or whatever, you know, or just the way you look, but it's like, they know full well the stakes of them being in a game. Like, that's the weird thing about this universe is, like, everyone knows they're in a game. Like, they talk about it. They're like, oh, we have to make sure the player gets to do this, this, and that. Like, they are not, like, Buzz Lightyear and Toy Story unaware of being a, a fake thing. Or not, like, a fake... Uh, of being a child's play thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> they they know that. And they, they explicitly talk about it. Which is... Then that's like, okay, if they know that what is happening is an artificial construct, it is essentially a performance put on for yes. the ruling class. Yes. Like the, <laughs> yes. So then why do they not like Ralph? Especially since his wrecking actually does no real material harm to them because uh, Fix It Felix can literally immediately fix it as if it never happened. It's that is the problem is that's such kind of a small thing and yet it breaks ha huh, breaks the internet breaks the entire premise of the movie. Right, that's the central driving like th- that is what kicks off the plot right. of this movie. Right. Is like, like it's their game's 20th or 30th anniversary, the 30th probably and I, I, he doesn't get invited to the party and they tell him he's not allowed and they're like sure if you come back with a hero's medal we'll treat you different and because I, I I know I know it's it, to me it reads as if some people who were like a troop of actors and one of the actors always got cast as the villain or whatever because he has like a goatee or something if the other actors were to actually start hating him because of that not not hating him because he always gets the best parts but hating him because he fakely plays a bad guy in something that they all know is a fictional performance like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's how wild it is like mm-hmm. to me i you know feel free to disagree i'm sure there are people already out there like typing up like actually it's because you know mm. like but but that Which... that kept bothering me the entire time the awareness of artifice that everyone has kept interfering with my ability to believe it <laughs> which it's a shame that that could not have been done better i feel like it could have been done better yeah there... There are, this movie has, I think, some good things to say. Like, I really like... Yeah, absolutely. I, I really enjoy the, the villain's therapy sequence. Yes. The, I wanted more of that, Just frankly. because you are a bad guy does not mean you are a bad guy. Right, just you know? because like, you're a bad guy doesn't yeah. mean you're a bad guy. <laughs> and, you know, the 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 thing that um Ralph says at the very end, what is it, the, I'm oh, bad and that, that is good. That's good. The, you know what? I'm just gonna. I look will it never up. be good, and that's, and that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, <laughs> that was kind of beautiful. I was um, almost like, "Damn, all right." <laughs> like, right? Like, just because he is "quote unquote" the bad guy of his video game does not mean that he is not a good guy. And he learns that lesson, and everyone in his game has to learn that lesson. But the the fact that they have to learn that lesson in the first place, right. 
kind of like you're sitting there stuck on that the entire time. Right. So it undermines all of this other like these nice messages. I know. I know. Well, I feel like and, one way to possibly resolve that would be to have the characters not know that they're in a game. Just like yes. he has to do that and he doesn't know yes. why. It's just like what he, you know, his I don't know, his fucking biological function or maybe he gets paid to do that but no one is really sure why but he just has to do it to survive right. anything like, like that. Like, like you said in, with, with Toy Story. You know, in Toy Story right. 1 with Buzz Light, you're thinking he's an actual space ranger. Yeah. That creates a lot of conflict because he does not know he's a toy. Exactly. If, if the bad guy and the people that he is menacing do not understand that they are putting on a performance, right. then that actually creates a conflict right. between the two of them. Right, if they the think that this guy is menacing them for real, like, you know, it, uh, it, we're <laughs> we're 15 minutes into know, this and we have been shitting on this movie relentlessly and I'm not done. It's not shit. No, it's but the thing is it's not shitting because it's like it's me recognizing that there is a really good thing that this movie is trying to say and some really good stuff that they're working with. It's just that for me that that core issue kind of throws kind of a blanket problem over everything like that the entire premise of it never quite works because of the fact that they know they're in a game it's like a, the, a, the gray cloud yes. that keeps it all together it's a gray um, cinema sin cloud over the entire thing <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but you know let's let's look at some of the other stuff and, that happens in the movie that, yes um <laughs> Uh, so I'm just gonna go ahead and say I can't remember any of my other plot nitpicks. That's a lie. I just remembered another one. Oh, okay. this is <sighs> this movie is uniquely suitable to nitpicking because they give you so many yes, rules. That's the movie true. details everything, which if they didn't detail everything, it would not be as easy to question. Yeah. Okay. So in the game Sugar Rush. They say that Vanellope is a glitch, okay? Plot twist. She wasn't a glitch. She was made to be unstable intentionally by another character to ostracize her. It is said that when she crosses the finish line, the game will reset, whatever that means in this in, in this particular usage of the word reset, because when it resets, the characters who are who are not from that game do not get kicked out, which you would assume they would, or they would die, um, but they don't. So, she crosses the finish line. The game is reset. Her code is fully restored. But she st still glitches. It is said that when the game resets, she will no longer be a glitch. But she still glitches after that happens. Why? We were explicitly told multiple times, this game, not this game, this movie, just, it, it's, it's a victim of over-explaining itself. Yeah. I do think that's true. I mean, I guess they assume because the whole conceit of it is that it takes place within games. Like, you have to explain the rules. I, I get that, for sure. But, like, yeah, it does kind of shoot itself in the foot sometimes. I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really understand why she continued to glitch either. I mean, I got that they were trying to do a whole, like, um, she now knows how to control her power kind of thing. Well, right, it's of the control, learning to control your power or working right. with your, uh, learning to accept and work with your disability. Yes, I, I get and that. Like, yeah, but it could be considered a disability metaphor. It does not her. fit within the own internal right. logic applied right. by the movie no, itself. No, I, I agree, I agree. Um, <laughs> yeah. Moving on to more pedantic, less important problems. Oh my god. Um, one, 
the amount of candy puns in this movie wanted okay. to kill me. Okay, that's um, that's normal. Though, yes, that there's and nothing then wrong secondly, with that. second, the <laughs> yes. number of 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 profanity replacements in this movie <laughs> wanted to give me. A fucking no, aneurysm. It's I just felt the like good place I thing. felt like that. No, 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 no. It's not the same no, as the good place because no. the good place. I it, I don't know. I don't know how to it's explain that it didn't thing. bother me in the good place. But this felt like it felt like it felt like that Tumblr post where someone where they said that um every time an adult says hack they feel like they need to go out and shout a a a, 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 a I'm not gonna say the curse word because we're not British or Australian so it's not acceptable um, <laughs> into the void to like even out the right, universe because it's, it's so like why are you pulling your punches like that it's, it's just embarrassing for you it's, see I think why it didn't bother me in the good place was because one they were original like it, they were, it seemed original to me and it like had the same delivery you know um, holy forking shirt balls I've never heard before oh my land I have heard so many southern white girls. Okay, but this is just your southern ch- white lady trauma talking. Yes, okay, it's my it's it's my it's my going to church in the south trauma talking. Yes. Watching this movie with all of its swear replacements felt like being in a church a Baptist youth group on a Wednesday night oh and everyone God. is at their peak saying good night and oh my lanta as swear replacements <laughs> and it was <laughs> For lack of a better word, uh, triggering. I like, love I that this bothers you so much. That's hate so it so much. No, I get it. it's kind of irritating, but at the same time, I didn't really notice it. Like there were, I look, I, kids' movies use swear replacements all the time, right? I don't usually notice it. Usually they kids say love swearing. They usually say heck or maybe even hell. Sometimes they'll drop a damn. But mm. Disney with Wreck It Ralph, they. There were so many obnoxious swear replacements that I noticed it every time, and every single time I cringed a little bit. Like, did my, it? Did I, it do you a heckin' concern, Kayla? No. <laughs> you know, I. You know what? D- d- don't speak. I liked, and then it annoyed me, and now it does not affect now me it's either gonna, way. I don't know. I kind of don't care um, anymore because now I kind of assume that it's ironic, anyways. And then once yes. you think it's ironic, it's kind of back to being cute, and it's just an endless cycle, like looping over and over. Devouring itself like a snake devouring its tail. Um. Anyway. Anyway, that's that's my that's my uh n- my complaints yeah. that do yeah. not ultimately affect yes. the well, movie. So, I guess. Like I switching gears from a complaint to a positive thing. Yes. Yes, I liked the central relationship with Ralph and what's her fucking face, Vanellope. Yeah, kind of a cool name. I dig that name. Um. Like, yes, that was nice because it's kind of the healing your inner child thing, except with like an actual literal child. Like, I mean, to be fair, Vanellope is not like the villain in her game, but she is very much an outsider who like no one wants to win. Yes, like Ralph. Which is something he relates to. Yes. So I guess you could argue that in this case, the central conflict is not so much between like the villain role and the hero role as it is the outsider versus the insider, which makes a little more yes. sense when you look at it that way. Um, which is different from Megamind is very much about looking at what is the, what is a hero versus what is a villain. Yes. Whereas yes. Wreck-It Ralph is like, you know, we call someone a villain, but in reality we mean they're right. an outsider. That makes it a little more palatable that they have no real moral scale at all. Like they're they're <laughs> you 
know, there, there's not really, like, genuinely good or bad people. Like, there's only, like, good people, people who are kind of brainwashed into being bitchy, and then, like, the one guy who is, like, actually evil despite seeming to be good. That kind of thing. You know, like, it, it, there's nothing really done with the whole, like, oh, you perceive me as evil, but I'm actually good thing. It's more like, you don't want me to be part of your clique, but I want to be part of it, you know? Um, which is kind of what happens with Vanellope. It's not that they think she's evil, it's that they think she's defective. And I guess in that way you could consider being evil as sort of just like a a way of saying defective. But but once again, it comes down to all these these people are reduced to their function, but Ralph is performing his function and he's performing it well. Like, that's what's so frustrating about it, you know, is that, like, Vanellope, you could kind of see within this very, like, function-based world how she wouldn't be treated well because she's not very good at performing her function. She's glitchy. But Ralph is. He's really good at it. Like, that's all he does day in and day out. And, like, he's always there and he never fails. Like, <laughs> he does exactly what he's supposed to do. You know, he is nothing if not functional. And that's what this entire universe is based around. And I guess that's what bothers me about it. Like, it, it, ah, whatever. It, you know, and, and once again, like, we're getting caught up in nitpicks. I definitely recognize what the story is ultimately about, which is about, you know, uh, trying to, to have more than the role that you have been kind of cast by society, like, just, you know, like, tossing a scrap at you, like, okay, here's what you are, and you can't have anything more than that. Like, even if you want to, even if you try to, even if you might be good at it, that's just what you're going to be forever. That's definitely, like, that's real. That resonates. Um, I don't know. It's, I guess I'm just like, um, this movie about Ascension Arcade Games could have done this complex moral yeah, metaphor this... a lot better. <laughs> like, Wreck-It Ralph is problematic. Oh my okay? god. Okay. Jesus I, Christ. Let me, let me just put it this way. When I rewatched Megamind this time, I enjoyed it exactly as much as I have every other time I've watched it. Rewatching Wreck-It Ralph... I had a much less enjoyable time, and I came away with a much... I'm, okay, I, I came away with a worse opinion than I held of it previously. That's not to say it's terrible. We're making it sound like it's god-awful. It's still, you well, know... Well, the thing is, I, it's a perfectly it's, functional movie. Like, as far as, like, yes. plot, characters, pacing goes, no problem at all. My Literally, my only real problem with it is the fact that like what it's trying to do and the way it's doing it or what it's do actually doing kind of don't quite line up for me like even in the end you know like how that what is isolated a really great moment where ralph repeats like the the therapy mantra like the you know I i'm bad and that's good i will never be good and that's not bad thing like that's a really great moment and yet when you think about it you're like he's not doing anything bad if that was him, like, kind of like Megamind, more so, like, embracing that villain role and doing something that seems harmful or destructive but for the greater good, you know, that that might resonate a little bit more. But but he doesn't, it doesn't really seem that, I mean, he is wrecking something. Even as I say that, I'm like, technically, once again, we come down to the function. He, he is, is performing, performing his, function, his function. But he has always performed his function. That's what I'm arguing here. Like, it's... He, 
Wreck It Ralph is a movie about finding purpose in your labor. And, and, and you have a role How to serve. How kind of Disney to teach us that. You have a role to serve in the machine of capitalism. <laughs> oh and Wreck-It Ralph is about finding solace in your role in right, that machine. Right, even if it's a shitty role and you just have to slave away all day and no one appreciates you or, and everyone thinks you ain't shit. It's really good that you have it's, this terrible Wreck-It Ralph is a movie about <laughs> the Protestant work ethic. Oh my god, sure. I wow. say that half-jokingly. Uh, you know, it, I don't know. Well, once again, it's like, I feel like there was a slightly better way to do it. Like, there is definitely, like, there is so much power in the idea of someone saying, you know, like, fine, like, make me the villain. You know, cast me into this role and I'll do something great with it. Or, or at the very least, I'll do what I want to do with it. I'll do something that makes me happy. Like, but that's not really what happens, you know? It doesn't feel like he fully embraces being the bad guy, nor does it feel like he fully breaks out of that and says, no, I am no longer the bad guy. I am the hero. I am the good guy. That's what frustrates me. It feels like there needed to be a strong choice one way or the other with that. Uh. <laughs> we, we had a lot more in-depth analysis and discussion of Wreck-It Ralph than I expected to have. Um, we're t- <laughs> well, and hey, I and hey, I will absolutely give it to give this to the movie that it invites those types of discussions. <laughs> it, it does really cause you to think about, like you know, about your role within the within we live in a society, and you know, and causes you to think about, you know, like what what is moral choice, and what what do you do in the absence of moral choice, and. And how can people be forced to make immoral choices by greater societal problems, like, and pressures? You know, there's that too. I, I don't know. The, this movie has a lot of great idea, not a whole lot of execution. This, so Ralph performs a role, but he is not happy with it, and ultimately he learns to be happy with his role. Vanellope had a role, but she was not unable to perform it. And the villain is the one who wanted to... Oh, yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Because this, to me, kind of undermines the entire thing. Okay. Like, so... Okay, correct me if I'm remembering any of this incorrectly. But what's his fuck? Uh, Candy Man? (laughs) Turbo. King Candy. King Candy. Um, is uh... Alan Tudyk doing his best Mad <laughs> oh, Hatter? Was that Alan Tudyk? Is Alan Tudyk Good doing for his him. best he Mad Hatter? He was definitely doing a Mad Hatter. <laughs> no, I actually did really like his voice. It was really good. Um, so so King Candy, a uh, famous twist villain of the the past decade or so that Disney has been really into, um, is someone who appears good but not too good, becomes bad but not too bad. Um, the their uh, what was I gonna say? So he gets revealed to be uh Turbo. That was his name. Turbo. This uh other arcade game character who um broke out of his role, <laughs> which once again that's kind of what the entire thing is about. But he did it for evil. Well, it's more. It's it's. I guess what I was saying was so Ralph Ralph's character arc is about learning to be happy with your role. 
Woof. Vanellope's arc is about being becoming happy by being able to perform to your perform role. To perform your role, not and, that your fake role. And the villain is bad because he uh, continued to, uh, like, he was no longer, he was determined to no longer be able to perform his role and was removed, but he continued to do it anyway, so that's bad. He outlived his he usefulness. He wanted more than his role. Right. And so, Wreck-It Ralph is a movie about knowing your goddamn place. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, sometimes the man doesn't recognize your place, but once you're in your place, you better fucking stay there, little lady. Like, it's, yeah. It, that See, that was also another thing that tripped me up a little bit, was um, Mr., uh, Mr. Turbo. Um, and how his entire villain origin story was just... He wanted more than, yeah, like you said, he well, wanted was, more than what he was given. He didn't want to die. Or like, that. I, well, his to me, crime was like... that he was in a racing game and they introduced a new one and he knew the new one was competition because they had better graphics, right? And he knew he would eventually get pulled. And so he attempted, he like tried, he tried to destroy the other game and they both got taken out because it was like well if i'm going you're going with me you know taking out your replacement along with you yeah um which i guess you know that's an understandable motivation i'm not saying it's not evil but it's an understandable motivation and so his crime is basically not wanting to die oh see i guess i i I don't know i thought thought it was an ambition thing like he he wasn't satisfied with being the best racer in his game. He wanted to be the best racer in every game. But I maybe misunderstood that. Hmm. I guess I you know. you could read it as he wanted to be the best racer in every game. I read it as he wanted to be like, I don't know, he didn't like that someone new came along. And he was willing to take both he himself and that person out to... I don't know. I guess you could read it multiple ways. <laughs> point... I mean, yeah, like, point being, like, it, it, it was... That read a little weird to me because I was like, well, there's your prime example of someone who wanted to go beyond their it's, role. It's Buzz versus Woody all over again. It's Toy Story 2. Yeah. It's yeah. Two words. Sputnik. Sputnik. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, well, yeah. And to me, I couldn't quite tell what we were being told by making him the villain. Because in a lot of these types of stories what the villain is, how they became the villain, why they are the villain, is saying something. And specifically, it is supposed to be saying something in direct conversation with either the hero or, or at the very least, with the general themes of the story. Like, but I couldn't tell what this was supposed to be saying in response to those themes. Like, was it like, breaking out of your role is good, but not too much? Or breaking out of your role is good, but not if it's for selfish reasons? Or... You know, like I think it's literally just know your role, stay in your lane. But but that but that's the direct <laughs> I, antithesis of what the movie is saying. I don't think it is. The movie Wreck It Ralph's lesson <laughs> is like stay in your lane, but other people need to learn to appreciate you for what you do. I like I, I yeah I yes I guess I guess I guess more so because ultimately Ralph doesn't need to change does anyth- accept his role. Yes. Ralph doesn't need to change anything about himself. Other people need to ch- yes. Okay. He's already a nice guy. It's about society. So like the the penultimate moment when he has that the the you know as we've said before the I'm bad and that's a good moment seems like this huge character revelation. 
But it's really not because he. It was never Ralph that needed to change. Right, like which he already knew. It was society that needed to change their perception of him. So, so it's really saying that like (laughs) when your role is good, and when you try to go to beyond beyond it, that's not good. All labor is noble, Stephanie. Yeah, for sure. And that's been our socialist reading of Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> oh, there's a specter haunting the arcade. <laughs> Not instead of Europe. It, it you know, they mentioned it's it's arcades are kind of like, and a they're they're a haven of like. Is that, would you say a haven of capitalism? It's it's like teaching kids. I would say it's more like teaching Small kids gambling. Actions. Gambling, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it is kind of like gambling. That's dark. Um, or if you spend enough tokens, kids, you might be able to afford this stuffed shark. God, that always got me when I was a kid. <laughs> hey, I always oh, wanted the little squishy toys. Oh, worm? 25 tickets for a squishy, <laughs> to- for a squishy worm? Squishy toy? Uh, that was the only reason I ever played was so I could get the little toys. I, I hate games. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And not all of them. Just a lot of them. Um, anyway, but, so, I, I don't know, but just con- confusing, like, confusing. Uh, I, I don't know, it, to me, it's, <laughs> I kept wanting to be like, guys, your real enemies are the, the humans who are enslaving you to play these sick, twisted games for their entertainment. Don't turn against each other, turn against them. <laughs> ah, it's so distressing you, when you think unite, about it. Unite, comrades. I'm, I'm just <laughs> saying they need to unionize. It, it's so upsetting when you actually think about it. Like, they're trapped in these games constantly with a threat of death looming over them, just performing their little jigs for, for these people who have more power and freedom than they could ever dream of. It, 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 meanwhile, fighting each other over these these nominal roles that mean nothing? What can we learn from this? Ah... <laughs> uh. <laughs> Well, this movie is really about the managerial the, the, class of the bourgeois workers. human is a virus on the hard drive of the working robot. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm You've been going on. Is that I would, from Futurama? Yes, it's for. Uh, of course it the is. character's name is literally Comrade Greeting Card. <laughs> what? Do you remember the Mother's Day episode where like Bender buys a, a Mother's Day card for mom, no. and then like the Mother's Day card is actually a robot itself and attempts to throw over like lead a revolution against humans? No, I do not remember <laughs> that. Sounds like he was right though. <laughs> I yeah, I just I, I you know maybe that's the stage I've gotten to where I'm like every time I see a, a movie like this, I, I'm like, well, what if we just rejected our what if we just rejected the framing that our pro- oppressors present to us? What if we just like stopped the infighting and we're just like, yeah, no more of this. We re- we reject your your structure. Twisted sister plays in the background. <laughs> Stop. I don't think I'm we can ser- afford no, that. No, I'm serious. <laughs> that it's it it's there all along, and yet the solution is just I don't know. Your designated role is good, actually. You can be a girl boss. I, I don't know. Like, it, <laughs> like what? But like, that's yeah. That mm, it. Ah, this. I have thought more about this movie than I ever thought that I would. I, I, I have thought more about this movie than probably the people making it thought about it. <laughs> like, uh, uh, 
and I feel like there, there's probably very good arguments to be had to the contrary of everything that we've said here. It, it's just, I, I think the frustration for me is that there are some really great elements of it that I really like and, and really great strong premises here. Uh, it's just that it, <laughs> when you look at look at it a little more, you're like. <laughs> uh, I, I will say though that I, I really love uh, my my big simp man uh, fixing yes. Felix uh, the OG simp fantastic little side romance there cared way more about that than anything else that was happening I, I was like uh, yeah like a tra- tragic badass Call of Duty Halo fucking knockoff character and little little tiny hammer cartoon man fucking excellent good shit uh love that for me um yeah they were the blueprint Stephanie. yes they were the fucking blueprint i i love that for both of course of them. not all of us can be three foot tall and find our six foot four <laughs> armored up mommy <laughs> every time he was like looking at her i was laughing my fucking ass off because it was just like i was just thinking about all the memes that came out after that Resident Evil vampire lady, like, <laughs> like the super tall one, and like, yes. and like, like all the simping that was happening about her. It's just, I kept thinking about that kind of shit. <laughs> Uh, it was like this is so wholesome why Look, do i keep thinking the, of this? the, the desire for a tall dummy mommy <laughs> per- Stop! never say that again <laughs> Look, it persists even into the past and even to disney retroactively okay? dummy mommy 2012 disney was aware of it okay oh my God. You it's know some of those little animator dudes were back there like, Disney can never know the, the secret desires of my heart, but they'll know a Look, little bit. It goes back even further. Like, <laughs> f- uh, uh, what, Jesse is, what, a whole head taller than Buzz? Oh, that's and, true. And you know Dude, she throws him around, right? Like, I love that one. <laughs> oh, God. Which, yeah, you know, I'll give that ship credit, even though D- Toy Story 2 is my least favorite of the Toy Story. You are insane. I cannot with you. I know. First Finding Nemo, then Monsters, Inc., now this. this you know, this won't stand. I this know. I'm bad. a crazy person. Yeah, I don't Someone know. stop me. <laughs> oh, Somebody I, stop I'll me. I'll stop you. No, we're going to talk about all three of those on here at some point. And I'm going to explain to you exactly what... You know what? You know what? No. I won't have to explain to you because after rewatching, you'll realize that I'm correct. Yeah. I don't think I've seen Toy Story 2 as an adult, so I'm oh, sure... My, well, obviously you don't think it's the best one because you haven't seen it as an adult. But when you have seen it as an adult... I don't I know mean, if you'll think it's the best one, but you The first time I saw good. Megamind, I wasn't an adult, and my opinion of Megamind remains unchanged. Look. Teenagers can be right about some things and wrong about other things. I know that sounds crazy, but it can happen. Ugh. This man. I wasn't wrong about you. (laughs) (laughs) And on that vomit-inducing note, um, I think we've said more than absolutely yeah. needed to be I can't said. believe I'm going to have to think about this way more. Stephanie's going to have to edit 40 minutes of ranting about wreck I know, Ralph. I'm going to have to release an entire video be like, the, the, the anti-socialist politics of wreck <laughs> Video essay not coming soon. We don't know how to do video essays. No, I don't know how to fucking do a video essay. I wish Justin, I please did. come back. God, I know, right? Please. 
We're, it's just been us having the kind of conversations we have all the time when cameras aren't on. Not cameras. Podcast recording thingies. Microphone. microphone. <laughs> yes. That thing that I'm looking at right now. Whoo. It's okay. late. My, my name is Caleb. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at actual underscore Caleb. My name's Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Steph has no name and on Letterboxd at Race, Race Left, Left Boo. And you can find the show on Twitter at Sounds Familiar. All right, and we'll catch you guys hopefully next week. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to check the episode description for any links we may have included related to this week's episode. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at SoundsFamiliar. If you'd like to get in contact with us, drop us a line at SoundsFamiliar at gmail.com. We'd like to thank our friend Chelsea for our logo. Check her out on Instagram at ChelseaBHDesigns. We'd also like to thank Shane Quick for our theme music. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to tune in every Thursday for new episodes. We'll see you next time on Sounds Familiar.